0: It just came kind of naturally since we've been dealing with Padawans and Masters and things. It would be interesting to see Anakin with a Padawan.
1: And she was, you know, a tough little teenager.
0: She was sort of the student
1: position, but she wouldn't let Anakin tell her anything. She'd question everything he asked her, and she'd stand up to him. And sometimes she'd outdo him. So it was a dynamic relationship. And sometimes she'd fail, which was the best episodes where she would learn something. And it was tricky because you had this precocious teenager. When you watch the early episodes, she really feels like a teenager, being young and a little bit over the top. And later on, when she's matured, for an animated character to have this kind of personality arc is almost unheard of over so many seasons. So that really worked out. And again, you being the knowledgeable master filmmaker (laughs) and me, the apprentice, it was easy to try to understand the relationship in the story that we were telling. I think from animation, one of the great things was you never treated the animation as something separate or different. It was just all part of the story. And that meant a lot because a lot of times in animation, you delegated something else oh, it doesn't need to be as good, or it's just that animation thing. And we kept pushing to say, but we want the visuals and the story to just be an extension of the films. That's art. That's evolving. You never want to sit still. I mean, that's why the last season of the show looks better than the first. We kept pushing it and pushing it, pushing it. We actually found ways, Athena found ways to make the show less expensive while making it better looking, which is a win all around, because that wasn't the most important thing, how much money we were spending on it. We wanted to be tight and lean and effective and tell good stories efficiently because then we could put that more into development and develop technology to tell the stories even better. So then you're putting your resources where they really need to be instead of always making up for mistakes or errors or issues. You know, you put where the value is.
0: Gabe. And we are past the October 26th Day of Madness, where we had Andor, new Andor, and Tales of the Jedi. We've had a little bit of time to kind of sit back and think about Tales of the Jedi a little bit more. Think about Tales of the Jedi a lot more. You know, it's the sign of good Star Wars where you can do that, where you can kind of sit back a little bit and something kind of simmers in the pot. Gets gets the flavor. Simmer until the, the you can smell the flavor. Just let it soak into your skin. Like Star Wars lotion. It hydrates. It nourishes. Makes you feel good. Maybe it makes you feel tingly. You know? Ooh, ooh, this lotion. This Star Wars lotion is really doing it. You know? Snoketober dries you out. So then you got to lotion up for uh, Star Wars November. Snoketoberfest is done. We are moving onward and upward, we're, we're like casting Andor. Climb! Climb! It's time to move on. We don't want to, but we have to. <laughs> so we talked about the Dooku episodes. We talked about Good Dooku. We talked about Moondy's Hood. And now we are moving on to the Ahsoka Tano stories. And kind of talking about the series as a whole. Yeah, it was neat to be back in... Clone Wars. This is obviously Clone Wars land, Clone Wars style. We got the Kevin Kiner music. We got epic symphony music. We got creepy Blade Runner synth music mixed in there. We got all the the late Clone Wars season hits. And just like Clone Wars in the past and Bad Batch, every season always looks better than the season before. And the show and the animation just looked so good. Uh, The lighting is crazy. It looks really, really nice if you have, like, a fancy HDR TV. Like, they really take advantage of that. Even more so, I think, than the live-action shows. Because it's animated, they have more control over the lighting and and the brightness of everything. And it's just, I don't know, it was a joy to just to look at everything. Regardless of the story and everything else, it just was a very pretty thing to watch. That really hit me uh, with the Practice Makes Perfect Ahsoka episode, where... Really, when Anakin came in kind of wearing his early Clone Wars outfit and Obi-Wan has like the Attack of the Clones mullet, even though he didn't really have it in, <laughs> in the show. But, it's, you know, I'm never going to complain about some, some extra Obi-Wan mullet. And it was like younger, like snips kind of Ahsoka, but it looked way better. Than the early seasons of Clone Wars ever looked. And I was just like, wow, look at how far we've come. And I was like looking at Ahsoka, like flipping around, and as that little training zone got smaller and smaller and smaller. And I was like, yeah, we've come so far with Star Wars animation. And it's like, you, we talked about it every week with Bad Batch, where we were like, this show looks gorgeous. But after a while, you just think about like, oh, man, Omega and, you know, Wrecker and Hunter and stuff. And you forget just like how incredible Star Wars animation really looks. I do like, yeah, with this series, it's almost like maybe because it's its own little thing. It's almost like it's through somebody's memory that remembers things differently than... Maybe they were when we watched on Clone Wars. So it's like maybe that episode was Ahsoka remembering it. And she always remembers Obi-Wan having the mullet, even though he really didn't. But in her memories, that's that's how he looks. She always thinks of him that way. <laughs> I, did, you know, I do, too. Yeah, I can't blame her. Yeah. Dude, it's like picture Obi-Wan Kenobi in your mind. It's like, oh, he's always got a mullet. Even if it's Revenge of the Sith, somehow he's still got the mullet in my mind. But well, they saw how popular bringing the mullet back was for Obi-Wan Kenobi, the show. And they are like, well, let's, let's ride that mullet train yeah well it's the neat thing about tales of the jedi overall is the fact that something like this can exist nowadays where it's not a movie it's not necessarily like a new series it's almost kind of like visions it's this standalone short story collection with these kind of vaguely connected stories about these two characters that kind of jump through a period of Star Wars time. It's amazing that we can have something like this, and it's the you know, the dream of something like Disney Plus and having this Star Wars thing where things like this can just kind of come out and be. Yeah, because if anything, I mean, it's a lot like Forces of Destiny and Galaxy of Adventures, how they were just like little stories that happened in between things in the movie and it's also kind of going back to the original influence of the original Gendy Clone Wars of them just being these short little spurts of of excitement and it was kind of a cool thing of like going back to that original idea but then you know using it to kind of tell these deeper stories that kind of fill in some gaps with uh, things that happened in the movies and happened in Clone Wars the series. And the order of the episodes is really interesting too, because you saw some people like online being like, how come they're not in order? How come all the Dooku episodes aren't together? But like, that's the thing that now having some days after watching the show a couple times and thinking about the order, it's almost feels like it's the order of the episodes itself is like a balance of the force that there is light and there is dark. There's hope for the future and complete and total doom and gloom. It's that one. It's also kind of chronological order, too. After, I mean, the Ahsoka one is kind of out of order, but then it it jumps back in time to the beginnings of, of the change in Dooku. And that, like you're saying, parallels the building darkness and then the response from the light with Ahsoka. But it's also like... It's chronological, too, where these things happen to Dooku and then now these things happen to Ahsoka and they kind of then we're kind of caught up with where the character is actually almost. You could say it ends with where we are going into the Ahsoka show, too, because we're now it kind of ends with just reminding us that Ahsoka, whether she says she's a Jedi or not, she's the force isn't done with her and she's not done with what she needs to do, even though all these things have happened and, and she's not. You know, part of the Jedi Order anymore Right, and that made me wonder too If some of the Ahsoka stuff in her stories Are things that will be informing things That happen in the Ahsoka show next year Because you know that Dave Filoni, he's a slippery one (laughs) Yeah, no, I would be more surprised if it doesn't Than if it does at this point Because it's really interesting because it starts with life and death, which is this kind of the birth of Ahsoka Tano, maybe the first time she uses the force or she doesn't use the force or just kind of who she is, which we're going to be getting into more in depth in a little bit. And then it goes into, yeah, this, this Dooku, what I wrote in our notes here, the Dooku Downfall Trilogy with three Dooku episodes of like we talked about in our previous episode, kind of. The rising influence of Dooku's downfall and his eventual, almost reluctant acceptance of himself as a Sith Lord. And then, yeah, we kind of backtrack. We go into Practice Makes Perfect, where it goes into the story where if Practice Makes Perfect was about Dooku and his master, Dooku could have been like, this is nuts. Why are you having all these Troops fire on me over and over again for years and years and years. When you're saying you're trying to protect me, and it's the contrast between who Count Dooku is and who Ahsoka Tano is. Ahsoka could have taken what all the things that happened to her and become like an Asajj Ventress or something, or a Count Dooku, but she didn't. And that's kind of where we go with resolve. Where, like you said, the Force isn't done with Ahsoka Tano and Ahsoka Tano is a student of the light side of the force through and through, or she is just a student of the force and she knows her purpose is to help others using the force for knowledge and defense versus what we see with Count Dooku. And it's having time and stepping back and looking at tales of the Jedi as a whole, it just makes the whole thing way more interesting and kind of what Dave Filoni was trying to say with this series. Well, and it's also what we were talking about last week with the Dooku one too, is the order that it in kind of reinforces the idea that everything that Ahsoka becomes starts with Dooku and Dooku being Dooku in the way he trained Qui-Gon and then the way Qui-Gon trained Obi-Wan who in turn trains Anakin and then Anakin trains Ahsoka, that it is a straight line from Dooku to Ahsoka and Ahsoka wouldn't have become who she is if Dooku wasn't who he was. And, and I think putting it in this order kind of reiterates the connection that those two have that, you know, we even said last week, we never even it didn't dawn on us how much of a connection the two of them had until we watched tales of the Jedi. So it's another reason that it was kind of, it may seem weird the way it was structured, but it gives us that very obvious progression of, even though these two people end up on opposite sides of the force and one is good and one is bad and, but there's just this straight line from grumpy old Count Dooku to Ahsoka Tano, who's still in the Star Wars universe today, and we're yeah we're gonna get a whole show about her before we know it. And it's the neat thing with the balance that exists now within Tales of the Jedi, yeah, where it's like like they couldn't be more different, but their past and their connection, yeah, is so similar, and. Their outcomes, though, are so different. The choices, like when the name, one of the names of the episodes in Tales of the Jedi, the choices that they make are so different. True, and you could almost say, you know, we think with Ahsoka and even like with the Kenobi show of the idea that, you know, Jedi can't stop being Jedi. And even if they're in hiding, they're always going to be Jedi. They're always going to try to help people. They're always going to try to do what's best. And in a way, Dooku wasn't a Jedi anymore. But. At the beginning, he was still a Jedi, and and in his own way, he was trying to do the right thing. He was trying to save the Jedi Order to save the Republic. And it was kind of the same idea that even when you leave the Jedi Order, you're always a Jedi. And just in Dooku's case, it kind of what started with good intentions got corrupted. Where with Ahsoka, she was able to stay truer to her Jedi roots, even though they both were no longer technically Jedi. I think it's the thing too with the tales with tales of Jedi that it shows is that the Dooku downfall trilogy is Dooku worrying about himself and what he is doing and his actions, which we said last week too. It's also it's very Anakin like some of the stuff Dooku says and the whole thing with Dooku and Palpatine and Yaddle. It's so similar to like Revenge of the Sith where Ahsoka is more. Selfless. She is thinking of others. Like, what's Ahsoka doing after she leaves the Jedi Order? Like, we see this brief thing of her, like, in this village, like, loading things of straw on the back of a thing, you know, and like some straw is going to fall on somebody and she stops it. Like, she is always in the service of others. Which, yeah, it makes me even more interested in now what are the stories to tell in the Ahsoka series. Who is Ahsoka Tano in this series that's coming next year? Is she in that show going to be more Qui-Gon? I mean, yeah, and it made me think too of the fact that like, well, I almost forgot that Ahsoka knows Luke and is like hanging out with Luke, talking to him about his father and all that stuff. Like, Ahsoka's getting around. Well, and the in the and the crazy stuff with all that too is they are almost You know, cousins in a way, right? Like Luke's father is Ahsoka's master. Obi Wan's master was Anakin's master. They're, you know, they're and and they both can be traced back to Dooku. So it's like, you know, as much as this Tales of Jedi thing just highlights the relationship between Ahsoka and Dooku. I mean, Luke is another branch on that same tree. Yeah, it's going to be wild if they get more into that of you know these two people now exist. In the same place, they know each other, and they are in similar places with their relationship with, with the Force and what it means to be a Jedi. So, yeah, it's probably going to be some some deep thoughts coming out of the Ahsoka show in between Rebels reunion outrageousness, too. So it's exciting, exciting times. Well, and we talked about this a lot when, when the Clone Wars came back, and we talked about it when Ahsoka made her appearances in The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett. It still is just so cool that Ahsoka Tano has become the major Star Wars character that she is today. That she has become this classic Star Wars character that is absolutely beloved. And you know, we think back to those weird, weird days, summer 2008, the Clone Wars movie, or is just like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't recognize myself in the mirror after I got home from the Clone Wars movie. It was a dangerous time. <laughs> it's like, I'm not sure what I just watched, but here we are all these years later. Yeah, And there was so much complaining about, why does Anakin have a Patamon? This is stupid. This is weird. This doesn't make sense. And now, yeah, everybody loves Ahsoka. I look at my shelf right now as I'm talking to you, talking into this microphone, and there's one, two, three Ahsoka figures, four Ahsoka figures on the shelf over there. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's two looking at me right now in front of me on my desk. <laughs> <laughs> so. It's so Star Wars, though. It's so wonderful. And it's the amazing thing with the character of Ahsoka Tano that she, all these years later, continues to be endlessly fascinating and compelling And that goes to Dave Filoni, that goes to Ashley Eckstein, that goes to everyone involved with writing her episodes of The Clone Wars. There's too many to list off in here. And the fact that it's still going and her character is probably even more relevant today than she was then. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's the exciting thing in in any new stories is she is like the living reminder of... the the prequel era, right? Like, we still have this character who was there and who was a big part of it. And, you know, in any new story with her, it's all those prequel fans and kids who grew up with the prequels and especially the Clone Wars fans and people who grew up with Clone Wars. Like, there's this character who is still in new stuff and still important, and it's not like a cameo in the background. Like, oh, there's Ahsoka. She was in the Clone Wars. Like, you know, those stories are still being told and are still new and exciting and not just old stuff the jedi aren't just gonna sit by while grievous and his droids take over the whole universe at least that's what anakin says I'm supposed to listen to him. He's my master. I may just be a Padawan, but soon, I will be a Jedi. And
1: if that means I have to cut my way through a hundred droids, I will. Gladly.
0: Star Wars The Clone Wars. A new adventure every Friday starting October 3rd at 9pm on Cartoon Network. So here we go. Let's get into the nitty-gritty. Let's talk about the three Ahsoka Tano episodes. Bit by bit, let's get into all the chunky bits. First, let's start with life and death. What a cool way to open the entire series. Well, in in a story that has a lot of death in it, we might as well get a little bit of life. And I think this was kind of making me think, too, how we were talking about the relationship with Ahsoka and Luke and Leia that it's like we got to see their birth in Revenge of the Sith. And it's kind of nice to now see Ahsoka's birth and, you know, kind of like we've talked about in the past of Ahsoka being maybe the character that we've had the most of their life in the stories that now we literally have from the moment she was born through post-Return of the Jedi stories about Ahsoka. So it's kind of fitting to just keep Jump back even farther in time and give us more insights into who is this Ahsoka character. When I like seeing her whole village and her her mother, Pavti, and her dad knock ill, I think is what it is, and her dad working on the roof and the mother is taking... Little baby Ahsoka, who's like a year, a little over a year old, out on this custom of taking her out in, into the woods to kind of soak in all the nature and hunt to feed the village and all this stuff And uh, before they leave. The, the village elder, Gantika, I think is her name, kind of blesses little baby Ahsoka. One of the key moments in this episode, though, is after the mom hunts the animal and little baby Ahsoka kind of looks away. And the mom saying, you must face death. Do not fear it. Because the, the name of the episode is life and death. And, you know, there's a lot of life. There's like the birth of Ahsoka, but death is part of the name of the episode. And that line, which you must face death. Do not fear it. That really got me wondering like, why, why is that such an important lesson? for Ahsoka Tano, for everything we know about her character, everything we've seen. And it, it made it made me right away think of Anakin and everything involved with Order 66, where Order 66 is just this big death fest. It's the death of everything. Well and also the clones in general and you know the last episode of Clone Wars, Victory and Death, like as a character, she's had to face a lot of death, and part of the reason that maybe she is able to survive these situations is right from the very beginning. Like she started to learn that lesson that, you know, when you can't look away, you got to accept it and embrace it and be present. And that's the beginning of how she learns to survive. And it's like we said last week, again, with the Dooku episodes, where the turning point for Count Dooku we see was the death of Qui-Gon and how he moved forward from that. And you could say, like, the turning point for Ahsoka, like we see in Resolve coming up, not to get into that, because we'll be talking more about that in a little bit, but is the death, which she believes, of the Jedi Order and her master, Anakin Skywalker. Well, and if anything, yeah, the, the first episode in a way was almost like the deepest of the deep thoughts, because not a lot happens. And it's kind of ambiguous in, in the specifics with, you know, Ahsoka gets taken by this tiger creature thing and you know didn't Floni talk about this at the panel about you know we don't really know how she convinced it to take her back but but she did and she convinced it not to not to eat her
1: and so one thing I'll tell you because you might ask me this it's like when the little girl faces the giant creature is she using the force because no one's taught her how to or is she just not afraid but how is that not the same thing and that's all I'm asking you uh, a little thing. but that is kind
0: of little baby one-year-old ahsoka kind of facing death like this little this giant tiger thing could kill her could eat her or something but she doesn't fear it she doesn't fear the death and that is a very jedi thing and yet is that using the force maybe she doesn't use the force in that moment i mean at first when i watched it i thought she was doing like a like a crocodile dundee thing like a you know like calming calming the the animal or kind of like what ezra did like his connection with animals or something or even ray in the rise of skywalker with the the cave snake well yeah because it is even interesting you know if you go to the end of the episode when the when the the grandmother elders like you know says she's a jedi they didn't see her you know, like move something with her mind or do anything. It's just literally the fact that she survived. They're like, yeah, she's a Jedi, and and it and it is more almost like a her attitude about it. it you know, told them more than her. You know, doing like some crazy feat of magical powers. Well and again, and it makes me think of Dooku, where when Dooku is threatened in all of his episodes, his his temper flares up and he retaliates with anger. And when in the Dooku episode, we talked about in contrast with that, with Qui Gon Jinn and Qui Gon Jinn's like battle meditation when he's fighting Darth Maul, where Ahsoka's more uber Jedi. <laughs> she's Jedi through and through. There is no anger issues, temper with Ahsoka Tano. She is selfless. She's thinking of others, and she's fearless. So that leads us into the next one. Practice makes perfect, which. This is, I think this is my favorite of the Ahsoka ones and and probably tied for the, the Sith Lord with just my favorite of the whole series. And this one was fun for me because I think initially I was like, oh, that's cute. You know, she's been practicing for, you know, what saves her. And, and there was a part of me that was like, well, that seems like kind of too on the nose. But the way the episode handled it, like it was just, it didn't seem forced or, or, you know, too perfect. Like it did seem like even though, even in the end, like it was an, it was earned how she saved herself. And that, I think the biggest thing with this, I didn't even think of till watching it too, is it kind of shows us that really for all that happens to Anakin in the end, he's really the best master of kind of maybe since Qui-Gon, like even though Qui-Gon wasn't around, Anakin's a better master to his Padawan than Obi-Wan was. And maybe even better than Yoda was to Obi-Wan and other people, because maybe because of, his attachment or how just deeply he cared for other people. And I really liked how they played that up where, you know, he, he seems like he doesn't care, but really he cares so much to the point of being angry about the, about the trial she had to do. And like, I'm going to come up with a better test because I want to keep you safe. And some of that is, you could say is the stuff that led to his downfall, his attachment issues with people he loves. But on the other hand, it was, he was the only one who really, thought enough of how to train his padawan to survive and i just thought that was really neat because i hadn't really i think thought about it that way of just really how good of a teacher he really was even though he kind of plays it off like he doesn't care yeah and the whole thing of this episode with the clone troopers just firing on her nonstop, nonstop, non-stop non-stop for years and then the ending where this pays off when it it is post-Order 66 and the, the trooper's blasters are not on stun anymore. And that's, again, going back to life and death, that's facing death and not fearing it. And like Anakin says, like, the best thing I can do, yeah, is to teach you how to survive. It's kind of this key part in Ahsoka Tano's story that she does survive and that by the time you get to the Mandalorian in Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. That she's there talking to Luke Skywalker and Luke's kind of looking to her for advice. Like teach me, <laughs> you know, tell me what, you know, Well, and it kind of shows you too, that it's not just Ahsoka wasn't just like born the best, like she worked at it and she put in a lot of time and it's kind of, you know, letting people know that, you know, like with anything, there's people who are naturally gifted at something and people who aren't. But then at the end of the day, you putting in the time, and working on something is how you get to be good at it. And luckily in her case, she got to be really good at defending herself from clones. But it was cool, too, just how it was such a, it was a very Jedi-style training thing, too, more than training with remotes or droids. Because, I mean, literally the exercise was, you know, reading their minds and, like, trying to, you know, see the future, which is a way more of a, a Jedi thing than waiting for a robot to do something like it, it just even felt like a more force centric exercise than, you know, training remotes or something like, I don't know. It was just the, this whole episode was just really, really, really well done. When it makes me think too, with like the, the training aspect of it all. And this, like when, when, you know, the sequel trilogy was out and people were getting, you know, raid and have enough training or whatever that, what was it? I think was a Dave Filoni quote of something like, he could take all the martial arts lessons in the world and he'll never be as good as Bruce Lee. He may be able to copy what Bruce Lee did, you know, or emulate what Bruce Lee did, but he will never be Bruce Lee. That there are people that are just gifted and they, they trained also, and they honed their gifts. Somebody like Ahsoka Tano or like Anakin Skywalker, they're gifted in the force and the training guides them in a certain direction, and you look at that even with Qui Gon and Count Dooku, and this whole this whole lineage going like we keep talking about going from Count Dooku to Ahsoka. That it is masters and apprentices, and how the training influences each of these students of the Force, and that's kind of all over. Practice makes perfect. That so much of their destiny comes from their training and how, what they learn. Yeah, because that is another, I think, just cute little moment of sh- showing that that progression of knowledge from like the Master to Apprentice was just the, you know, Anakin shows up late to Ahsoka's thing and in, in Obi-Wan's like, you're right on time or whatever. And he's like, I thought I was late. And then when Ahsoka comes to her training, she's late and they have the same little, the little joke between the two of them. And it's like, I really thought that was a cute way of kind of showing where – Anakin is learning from Obi-Wan and it was almost like the the two of them in their ships at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith like flying in sync to show that their relationship is in sync and then here with just that you know that little snarky joke was like kind of showing that Anakin is learning from Obi-Wan and he is kind of passing on what he's learning from Obi-Wan to Ahsoka it's just in his own way and balancing that with the the Dooku downfall trilogy of things are in sync and things are you know, working well here. And there's even the really cute moment with Jesse saying, sorry, commander, you know, off in the distance (laughs) of it's all for training and it's all for, you know, just goofing around for now with clones shooting at Ahsoka. But then the gut punch at the end of the episode, taking you back to Clone Wars season seven, where it's not training anymore and it is for real. And what Anakin did teach her in these moments literally did save her life. And Rex. Saved them both. Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah, And it's Jesse trying to kill them, just to rub it in, too. It's like, man. Well, you're waking up faster. Uh, This is ridiculous. The droids aren't half as good as Rex's men.
1: That's the point. Look, I know this is tough, but I want it to be difficult. This is about life and death. And as your master, I'm responsible for you. The best way I can protect you is to teach you how to protect yourself. If you can hold off Rex and the boys, you'll be ready for anything on the battlefield. Well, yeah, anything with a blaster, at least. You ready? Ready? All right, boys. Let's go again.
0: So that kind of brings us to the final Ahsoka episode, Resolve, which is so cool because life and death, the first one begins with a birth and this one begins with a death and Padme's funeral, which... It's just so cool that we're seeing Padme's funeral in Star Wars animation and just showing us right away that Bale and Mon Mothma are there. And if you watch this right after you watched Andor, you're just like, oh, there's Mon Mothma again. Oh, look at that. She's, she's, she's everywhere. This episode and then I think uh, the Sith Lord too of just how well an- animation can kind of mimic the look of the films like that. If you squint your eyes, it's like you're watching Revenge of the Sith again. And then it's like, no, this is new. This is new stuff. This is animated. Same with, you know, at the end when they go to the abandoned part of Coruscant to see Sidious. It's like you squint your eyes and you think you're watching Attack of the Clones. But it's, it's animation now. And it's, it's just, yeah, incredible. When Anakin wanted to teach Ahsoka to protect herself, and that's the whole great thing, that Anakin couldn't protect himself from his own dark deeds. This is the question too that Talkers were asking a lot after they saw the panel at Celebration Anaheim. And it's, it's a really good question of did Ahsoka go to Padme's funeral hoping Anakin would be there? That she was hoping that Anakin somehow survived Order 66. Did she maybe think she could find Anakin hiding there? Yeah, she must have. It had to be somewhere somewhere in her mind. And that when she doesn't see Anakin at Padme's funeral, she probably then assumes, well, then he must be dead. Because if he was alive, he would be there. Yeah. Well, and then Bale just takes it to the next level and, and says you couldn't save them or both of them, right? He pretty much just reiterates that as far as everyone's concerned that Padme and Anakin are both dead at this point. Which made me wonder, I think for some reason I always assumed that Bale knew that Darth Vader was Anakin. But if you go back and think about Revenge of the Sith, he knows about the children. He knows Padme had the two twins. Well, that's a really good question. Obi-Wan doesn't even know. Right, because they, yeah, they, right. So you're right. No, Bale thinks he's dead because Obi-Wan thinks he's dead. And Yoda thinks he's dead because Obi-Wan left him burning in lava and just didn't assume that or assumed that that you know you're you're gone for when that happens so you're right so he would have he would have known for sure from their point of view that anakin was dead it wasn't even speculation when bale says it to ahsoka he knew he knew from firsthand information that yes anakin is dead as far as all of them knew yoda might know yoda might feel it in the force but you like you get the sense in even in obi-wan kenobi that If anybody's talking to Yoda, it's Qui-Gon. But I think you could say that if Anakin Skywalker truly died, because Vader is effectively a different person, that even if they felt Vader in the Force, he's not Anakin at that moment. Which is the whole thing with him coming back as a ghost and looking like young, handsome Anakin, is that that Anakin was dead and Vader was a different person. Right. Nobody can feel Anakin Skywalker in the Force anymore. And it isn't until... In Kenobi, when they're together, that that connection is kind of remade and 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 they can kind of feel each other again. And it's kind of the same with Ahsoka. Ahsoka didn't realize it was him until they were, you know, face-to-face fighting. So Bale gives her the, the, the little thing to, to try and contact her and Ahsoka says no, that she's tired of fighting. But then I love it. We have this whole kind of aftermath of that, of the fact that she can't help it. She is a force user. Like we were saying, she's not a Jedi. She is a student of the force. And even when the jerk guy in the village, who's just a jerk <laughs> from the moment we meet him, his his name was Ima jerk. <laughs> they're, they're being real subtle with the naming. When he turns her into a freaking inquisitor, right? And this Inquisitor shows up and like burns down the whole village and the the, the Inquisitor's got like this kind of like bird face and all this stuff. Ahsoka still doesn't take the Dooku path. She doesn't be like, you betrayed me. You did, you know, like everything's miserable and it's your fault. Ahsoka's kind of like, well, I'm going to take care of this Inquisitor because only I can. And Ahsoka takes out the Inquisitor also with a very kind of Obi-Wan twin sons kind of samurai one move death blow kind of thing. Well, and also to this whole episode is kind of a a miniature Ahsoka version of the Obi-Wan Kenobi show of her, you know, trying to just escape from her past and and just be a nobody. And even with the the piles of hay falling on, on the sister, like, you know, she can't not help people and not... Helping people and trying to hide out doesn't do anything other than potentially hurt more people, which is what happened with the Inquisitor. And, and at the end of the day, yeah, she can't escape who she is, and she can't not use the gifts she's given. No, and it, it is, and like we saw in Clone Wars, where we see her later, where she's kind of laying low on Coruscant, and it, it is in with everything with the Martez sisters. She even helps them when even they are just like, we don't like the Jedi, the Jedi are jerks. The Jedi just go around destroying buildings and you know where we are where we are because of the Jedi being jerks. And Ahsoka, her progression of kind of removing herself from the Jedi Order and the rules and all the things that kind of brought Dooku down, like everyone's saying to Dooku, like you're just puppets of the Senate and all that stuff. Ahsoka kind of finding the true path of being like, what does it mean to be a Jedi? To be a Force user without the rules and without the Jedi Council and without the Senate? Like, what is the the true path of the Jedi? Well, and you could even say before kind of rebels gets going, she is finding a way to help out without necessarily being obviously a Jedi, with with being fulcrum and just you know finding and helping people get into the Rebel Alliance, and it's not really tell kind of rebels gets going that she has to be a jedi again and and start fighting the inquisitors like she finds a way to kind of keep it uh, on the down low but still help people and it is so cool like you were saying like thinking about tales of the jedi and what we learn about ahsoka tano and these stories and paralleling that with the obi-wan kenobi show and obi-wan's path and with obi-wan yeah like coming to kind of a similar conclusion, like where we said last week with the Dooku one, like Obi-Wan was almost more in the Mace Windu school of things, like by the book. The, if you follow the rules, everything's going to be fine. And I don't understand why you have to think you got to not follow the rules, whether it's Qui-Gon or Anakin. But Obi-Wan kind of by the end of the show being more Qui-Gon. And it, I don't want it to ever happen, but it would be cool to see Later era Ahsoka with Obi-Wan Kenobi and both of them kind of being just like, oh, man, remember the crazy days when we were thinking (laughs) like those those are nuts. But, you know, it is almost to the contrast of Ahsoka handled all of this better than Obi-Wan because she was more like Anakin, who was kind of more like Qui-Gon. And and she was kind of prepared to kind of go with the flow of what happens where Obi-Wan needed, you know, he needed the Kenobi series because he was... By the book, following the rules, it it was a bigger shock to him when everything fell apart, and you know, so I took six episodes for him to get over it, where it only took Ahsoka one. It's <laughs> <laughs> so cool, cool to see kind of these similar moments from these different characters and how you know, which that's kind of how Star Wars does it, right? It's like let's take these different characters and put them in similar similar situations and see how how they handle it and how they react. When I love Bale showing up at the end almost drafting ahsoka back in we don't see what her decision is but him saying like you know things have gotten worse this episode ended and all i can think about is it made me want to watch rebels and it made me hope we get something similar to tales of the jedi maybe with rebels type stories like it, it it made me kind of miss the the rebels visual style too like it would be really cool to get something similar that that looks more like rebels and kind of tells a similar small stories with you know either ahsoka in the time during the rebels or you know rebels characters or something like i don't know bale showing up at the end and knowing like the next thing we're gonna see with these characters is rebels it just it got i don't know rebels on my mind which maybe that's you know dave filoni messing with us because ahsoka is you know rebels reunion the show as well so i think i think he's on to something here (laughs) getting us pumped up i was beginning to think you lost this Things have only gotten worse. Are you sure you're ready to get back into the fight? So like we did with the Dooku Downfall Trilogy and the episode last week all about Dooku, how has these episodes of Ahsoka Stories changed your point of view of Ahsoka Tano? What what new information have you gathered but how you look at Ahsoka. It's interesting because I almost feel like, if anything, these episodes didn't change anything, and it kind of just reaffirmed why she is who she is and why this character is people like her so much. She's good. She's a good person. She's good at what she does, and she perseveres. And that's kind of what I took out of it, that underlining some of the things that we already kind of believed about Ahsoka, but giving us a story to kind of show it. She is a survivor. And where did that instinct to survive and persevere and keep the fire, the light of the Jedi lit through everything she's been through? Like, where did that kind of come from? And that's the neat thing with tales of the Jedi, where in the Dooku stories, we see how that fire can go out and the realistic reasons why Count Dooku turned from the light side of the force to the reasons to hold on to hope and to hold on to the dream that Ahsoka carries with her. I don't know. It's so cool. I mean, you know, you think of like, well, what other Tales of the Jedi could they do? Could they do like Yarrow Poof and Say Say Tin stories and stuff? And it's almost like if they did more Tales of the Jedi, well, what is as interesting as Count Dooku and Ahsoka? Well, what's in, what they could do, and maybe they will, is a lot of this too, I think, was just showing kind of the power of teachers and students and how a good teacher can affect a student. And then someday that student becomes another teacher and how knowledge can be passed on. And in, even someone who might not be the best person can still be a good teacher. Kind of you know the comparison of so much of what makes Ahsoka Ahsoka is potentially things that were originally came from Dooku. It almost seems like the idea of Tales of the Jedi is a, is a lot of kind of showing those master-apprentice-teacher-student relationships. And they, and they gave us the little tease of uh, little Kanan with uh, Deppa. Maybe there's other master-student combos that would be interesting to see stories of. Like those two in particular, I could see there being a Tales of the Jedi with three episodes about little Kanan. I mean, if they want to go back even farther, like Yoda and Dooku. Yeah, or, or you know, little side stories with Kanan and Ezra like there's there's all of these great student master relationships in Star Wars that they that could tell more little little short stories Leia and Ray. yeah exactly right like we said in the beginning of the episode we're just so lucky to be able to be at a point in Star Wars where stories like this can be told little bite-sized little morsels of Deep thoughts about Count Dooku and Ahsoka Tano. It's the prequel renaissance. It's a beautiful thing. We're so blessed to have Tales of the Jedi in our lives. It, yeah, it's the thing when when you know Disney bought Star Wars and we thought, hey, maybe we'll get new movies. We never even imagined there would be this streaming service and this way to have access to these stories. And because of the way a streaming service works, that we would get these things that would never probably have happened otherwise of yeah visions tales of the jedi galaxy of sounds biomes like you know all of these like wonderful little star wars treats that yeah that you know as much as we love george lucas in, in the olden days of lucasfilm like we may have never gotten anything like this if it wasn't for disney plus so yeah he said yeah we're uh we're blessed <laughs>
1: on the clone wars yes i was once a jedi knight the same as your father since that one simple sentence fans have on different levels been obsessed about thinking what was the clone wars
0: idea of doing a animated TV series was intriguing to me because it really did allow me to broaden the, the, the canvas of what
1: Star Wars is about. This is Captain Rex. You're listening to Jason and Gabe on Blast Points.
0: guess what apple podcast reviews hey when you get done listening to this episode here's what you should do if you listen to this on some sort of apple something go over there write us a five star review say something nice about blast points and it will help more people find the show when they search for star wars podcasts and if you listen on spotify leave us a five star over there as well and make sure you check out our website, blastpointspodcast.com. And you're following us on social media: Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, make sure you're in our super chill group. If you want to support the show in a different way, we got the Blast Points Army on Patreon. Just last weekend, we had our Patreon episode for Andor, episode eight. Getting into the prison. <laughs> Narkina what is going on? Take your shoes off, get comfortable. Maybe don't get comfortable. (laughs) Maybe keep your shoes on. Yeah, baby, put some (laughs) boots on. That's what I'm saying. But yeah, every weekend we've got our Andor recaps over there on Patreon, and it's a ton of fun. And if you're a member of the Blast Points Army already, huge thank you to you. And it's been a long, long time, so we have got to give shout-outs to the new folks of the blast points army and this is like many months worth of folks that have signed up for the blast points army and are digging all those crazy Andor episodes we got over there and all the other weird stuff we have on there so thank you to jennifer the infinite now steven chris buck michael adam m link greg justin carla manda And thank you to Stephen, Shay, Sean, Andrew, Chris, Tom, Amber, Clumsy, Ozzel, Helen, I ship all things. Thomas, Darren, Rom, Derek, Sarah, Mark, Robert, Cameron, and Jason. And thank you to Anna, Christian, Matt, Elijah, Travis, Alex, Taylor, Rick, Johnny, Jonathan, Roy, Michael, and Jason. Thank you all so much. But that about wraps up number 334 here. Tales of the Jedi. We did it. It's a two-part episode. It's a balance. The balance of the Force between 333 and 334 here. And maybe, just maybe, Attack of the Clones here may be back. Just like Attack of the Clones. You think it's done. But Attack of the Clones is the most important Star Wars movie ever made. And Attack of the Clones is never going away. And Attack of the Clones here, yeah, We haven't been good about it. A lot of things happened in Star Wars in 2022. Have you noticed how busy we are over here at Blast Points? We may be in an arena surrounded by battle droids, but next week we may just look up and Yoda and a bunch of clone troopers might be here to save the day. So look forward to that next week. And yeah, until then, everyone, thank you all so much for listening. And we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.
1: May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you.
0: you're maybe back sooner than you realize sooner than you even whatever (laughs) May the force be with all of you